Welcome and thank you for joining us. At Worship Harvest, we believe that we are a movement of the gospel, discipleship, and mission. And we are committed to catalyzing spiritual, social, and economic renewal in our immediate communities, and as a result, the world. Here is this week's teaching. I want to get straight into the word today. We've been doing a series together that is called Of His Love. We've been talking about his love. And, oh, okay, I was going to say that I can't see the clock now. I can't see it because I need to see it. So, um, of his love, talking about the love of God. The first Sunday, it's the third time that we're talking about his love. Sunday number one, we talked about God's love for us. And we talked about the fact that God loves us in spite of us, regardless of us. That, that God's love for us has nothing to do with our goodness. God doesn't look at you and say, hmm, you deserve my love. He has loved us because of his great love. And that all of us are sinners. Just because you sin differently doesn't mean you're better than someone else. We are all sinners. We just sin in different styles. Some people's sinning is more visible to others, so we think we are better because ours is hidden. But when God who searches the hearts looks down and sees the one who, I don't know who you think in your mind is overdoing it. I used to have a brother who would spend the night in bars and used to do things which I thought were not right, and I felt like I was better than him. Until I encountered the fact that all have sinned and fall short continuously of the glory of God, comma, and all those who are sinning are being justified freely by his grace. So no one can boast apart from boasting in the love of God. So none of us brings anything to the table. God has loved you because he is love. So it's an equalizer. His love is an equalizer and it's a lifter. All of us are sinners. All of us can be saints just because of the love of God. Amen. And that's good news for the weak. For those who think they are strong, it's not good news because you're like, hey man, I thought I was better than so and so. No. Equalizer. I'm told that's a song. Uh, which people play at Kwanjulas to remind the other person who did not marry them. I don't know why you're thinking about that person at your wedding. It's very bad. So that was the other Sunday. So last Sunday then we talked about of his love in a very unique, you know, we brought a very unique perspective to the love of God actually. And it's biblical that scripture shows us how, what God's love language is. And I'll recap quickly. We talked about maybe four things. First of all, that God's love language is obedience to his commands. That you and I cannot say we love God and we disobey him. But you see, sometimes you disobey, not because you're disobedient, but out of ignorance. So it's impossible to obey what you don't know. And that's why we must become men and women of the word. Men and women of the word, because the Holy Spirit, who is called the spirit of truth, meaning that it's his primary ministry. What is the primary ministry of the devil? By the way, I want you to divorce your phone during the, the sermon. What is the primary ministry of the devil? Not the quant condemnation. It's deception. He's a liar. That is his language. It is his. The Bible says when he speaks lies, he speaks his mother tongue. He is called the father of lies. That is who he is. And to counter the deception of the enemy, God has given you the Holy Spirit, who is called the Spirit of Truth. So he ministers truth, but the Spirit of Truth works by the Word of God. 
he contra he's contrary to the spirit of deception every day the enemy and his cohorts come at you with lies you and i children of god the devil has no power he has, just has a big mouth he comes and he deceives you and through deception he leads you into stealing killing and destroying your own self many times and the spirit of truth comes and then he kills and, con and, and comes against the deception of the enemy by the word of God. So those who obey the word of God are those that love God. Is it because God wants to control us? Parents, why do you want your children to obey you? Is it because you like to be in charge? It's because you love them, you want what's best for them. And you're like, if you obey me, then you'll do well because I, I have your best interests at heart. So if you love me, my child, the first thing I want from you is just obey me. The thing parents fight with kids about is why can't you listen to me? Not because they are control freaks, but because a parent wants to protect and cover and give their child the best life. But a child who cannot listen to you is a child you cannot guide through life. And that's the heart of God the Father. That if we are indeed his children and he cannot tell us what to do and we do it, then he cannot guide us. Then our success is not guaranteed. That's why he tells Joshua, don't let the book of the Lord depart from your mouth. Why does he want it in your mouth? Because by the time it's coming out of your mouth, it has entered your heart. He says, don't let it depart from your mouth, but meditate in it day and night that you may be what? careful to observe to do all that is written in it and then he says one what will happen then then you will make your way prosperous and you will have good success so the point that's why you see that god's love language is us obeying him why when we obey him we prosper basically what brings god joy is your prosperity and my prosperity it's what brings him glory but he cannot guide those who cannot listen to him and he cannot guide those who don't know what he says. That's why you must get into the word of God. Make it your best friend. Don't let a day pass without you getting into the scriptures and hearing the voice of your father. And the primary ministry of the Holy Spirit is to lead us into all truth through God's word. And that we must be in the word to be led into all truth by the Holy Spirit. And today, I want, we are going to be talking about abiding in his love. Say abiding and this is perfect because we've come out of the rest month and our last MC live we talked about abiding. And we talked about the fact that abiding is not sleeping and watching movies and staring in the sky and harvesting coffee. I don't know, just unplugging basically and doing basically throwing God out. That doesn't sound like abiding in God. That sounds like abiding in something else that is not God. And that it's in abiding that we become fruitful. But I want us to read the text, all of it, from John 15, verse 1 to 15. I want us to read all of it, then we start breaking it down. In fact, stand up on your feet and let's read the word of the Lord. I like it also me. In honor of God, let us read his word together on our feet from verse 1. Now I want you to re read it. I don't know. Like you're standing up. Do you understand? Eh? All right. Let's read together. I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, unless it abides in the vine. 
neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered, and they gather them and throw them into the fire, and they are burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. As the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments, and I abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you, and that your joy may be full. Amen. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. You are my friends. If you do whatever I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends for all things that I heard from my father, I have made known to you. This is the word of the Lord. I love it. Sit down. We are going to go bit by bit breaking this scripture down and you're going to pray for me. Because when I see the clock and I see the scripture, hey, the Lord is with us. <laughs> so let's read uh, f- the first verse right there says, I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. Two things or three things. First of all, the fact that they say I am the true vine means that there are other They are false vines. Why would they have to add the word true? Meaning that you can get to a point where you have other sources in your life. And we all have other sources. But they are not the true source. The true source of love and life in your life is God. And when you understand that, you will seek him. You will make room for him in your life. The true source of life in its fullness in our lives is God. It's not your ancestral lineage. It's not your academic qualification. It's not where you come from. It's not your workplace. It's not your boss. It's not your your spouse or the lack thereof. It is the true source of life. And when I say life, I mean life in its fullness is God. And he declares himself on this matter. He says, let's be clear. I am the true vine. The other ones are not the same. Hannah in the Bible says there is no rock like our God. Meaning there are other rocks. But there is no rock like our God. God is the true source in your life. Now, can you start treating him like he's the true source in your life? He's the true source of love. You cannot love all the other instructions we're going to see. You can't love without receiving love himself. He's the source of love. We love him because he first loved us. We are able to love others only to the extent that we receive the love of God. The more you recognize that you're loved by God, the easier it becomes to love God and others. Even obedience, can I tell you a secret? Even obedience is founded on love. When you know that someone loves you, you want to obey them. Panangi, you want to obey them and to please them. So why you struggle with disobedience sometimes in our lives is because we don't know how much we are loved. Why you struggle to tithe is that you, you, you're suspicious of God. 
if you knew the kind of provider he is and how much he loves you, you would not tithe, you would give up and above. Every area of, of, of obedience, why you're struggling, why you're deciding to live with someone you're not yet married to and fearing covenant is not because you've received the love of God. If you knew how much he loved you, you would do what he says because you'd know that this person, first of all, has my best interests at heart. But also, when you know someone loves you, you people, I don't know, it's true. You think of the person you know who loves you. You don't want to disappoint them. You, over, you actually over-obey. It's too much. Like, okay, I want to, whatever you say, I want to do it. So even obedience is founded in receiving love. So if I'm struggling with obedience, all I need to do is now concentrate on God's love for me. Listen to more sermons on the love of God for me. The more I re- believe that I am loved, the easier it becomes to obey. Because it's just, obedience is a response to someone. We obey easily those we believe love us or those we fear. But that obedience cannot be sustained, the one out of fear. Because once you stop fearing them, yeah, you don't need to obey them anymore. Like if you only obeyed your parents because you were scared of them, that day you, you leave their house. <laughs> you do everything they said you should never do. Because it was not, but if you know your parent loves you, you imagine your father finding you doing a certain thing. Eh, eh. You can't do it. You just can't, even though they die, you can't. You feel like this person, eh, I have to honor them. So obedience is rooted in love. So he says, I am the true vine. And then he says another thing. My father is the vine dresser. This touched me. Can you imagine? You know who a vine dresser is? I, I went to the dictionary and said, who is a vine dresser? A vine dresser is someone who prunes, trains, and cultivates the vine. A vine dresser is someone who prunes, and you'll see pruning later on in the scripture, trains and cultivates the vine. And you know, I want you to think about the fact that God did not say, I am the true mango. I am the true avocado. I am the true banana. I am the true jackfruit. I am, okay, I am the true kiwi. Maybe kiwi sounds better. Huh? I am the true pear. I am the true pineapple. You ask yourself, why did God say, I, why did he use a vine? A vine, the equivalent in Uganda, at least since I'm talking to Ugandans in the room, uh, uh, if you've not seen a vine before, a passion fruit plant. You know a passion fruit plant? Because when you think of a tree, you think of a big stem and leaves up. The thing about passion fruit is it's a very dependent plant. A vine is, I, I, I was reading about the vine and the vine is a plant whose stems require support. That's the bare, basic definition of a vine. The stems require support. It cannot survive. It, it has to be lifted, to be put against maybe a fence. It is, it, that's why it needs a vine dresser. That means that the vine dresser is constantly tending to the vine for it to bear fruit. Otherwise, left on its own, it can't survive. It has to climb. You have to plant it in a place where it can climb on other things. You have to create support systems for the vine to be able to climb and grow and then be able to survive and thrive and bear fruit. You have to keep lifting up the ones which are not bearing fruit because it's not because they are bad. It's that they lack support. 
And then the ones which are already bearing fruit so that they bear more fruit, you have to then tend to them, prune them, clean them up. So I want you to imagine, when he says my father is the vine dresser, he's saying that God is extremely involved in your life. That he's there tending to your life. That he knows you need support. Remember, it's a continuation from chapter 14, which we looked at last week. That the Holy Spirit is the helper who helps us to be able to bear fruit. The, the, the helper means someone who supports you. Bears burdens along with you. Are you seeing that the vine cannot bear fruit apart from the vine dresser's help? He is, when he says, my father is the vine dresser, I want you to see that the father is saying, I am deeply involved in every detail of your life. You cannot bear fruit at your workplace, in your relationships, in any area of your life, unless I am involved. And he declares, he doesn't say, ask me to be the vine dresser. He says, no, 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 no. I have appointed myself. This job is too important. Me, God the father, I have appointed myself the vine dresser in your life. What a love. What a love. You know, that he's interested in every detail. In my marriage, in my parenting, in my finances, in my work, in my, in my health and wellness. That's why some of you, God starts to say, drink water. He's the vine dresser. He's the true vine and he's the vine dresser. Ay, 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 ay. You see the involvement of God in your life? Like, you're already set up for success. If God the Father is the vine dresser, surely you must succeed. You're already set up for success because the Father is the vine dresser. He says, I am the true vine. My Father is the vine dresser. A vine is a climbing, trailing plant. It's dependent. Every, then he says in verse 2, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, this version says he takes away. But when you look at the original translation, he actually, taking away doesn't mean, like when we think of taking away. Yeah? Like cutting off and throwing away. No, no. Cutting off, you'll see it later. Takes away means he lifts up. Okay? He takes away. And every bunch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear two fruits. Here is the thing. First of all, I already told you in the earlier verse that the Father is always at work in our lives as the great vine dresser. He's the gardener tending to our lives through the Holy Spirit to make sure that we bear fruit. And every vine needs a vine dresser to survive and thrive. You need God in your life to survive and to thrive. But look at this scripture. This scripture shows us that there are two types of branches or believers. God says he's the vine, he's the source. The thing about the vine is that when you look at it, it's hard to find where the, the source begins and where the branches begin and end. It's so interconnected that cutting off anything is basically death. You think of a passion fruit plant. If you've never seen one, find one this week and look at it. You know these things, these pictures God paints, they are for a purpose. They help you understand deeper. That if it was an avocado, I can see the roots, I can see the stem, I can see the fruit. But you tell me when you look at a passion fruit, you, can you really find the beginning of it with ease? By looking like this. When you look at it, you say, it starts here. These are the branches. This, no, you just see everything. It's so connected. It climbs on each other. That's how God is saying our life should be with him if we are going to bear fruit. Do you understand? Interconnected. It's hard to see where Jesus begins and ends in your life. Hallelujah. Say, so that's my story. Hey, I like it. And he's saying there are two types of branches or believers on any vine. 
Yeah, he's in every detail. There are two types of branches of believers. There are those that are not bearing fruit yet. He doesn't hate them. He doesn't call them useless. He says, if they're not bearing fruit, as long as they're still attached to me, I lift them up off the ground where life has beaten them down, where they've disconnected from my word and my love. I lift them up like today he's lifting some of us up through his word, reminding us of who we are, lifting us up from the troubles of life, reminding us of our position in him, lifting us from that burden of maybe in your marriage where it's been difficult or where finances have been tight and you've given up on God or where you've stopped doing the obedience that God called you to do. He doesn't throw you out and say, you unfruitful one. He lifts you up because you're attached to him. Do you understand? He lifts you up. He says, the ones who do not bear fruit, I lift up. The vine dresser, the father today is lifting up some of us in areas where we've struggled to bear fruit. You heard our brother share earlier in the MC testimony time that he was struggling in his finances. Did, his, did God throw him out? He was lifted up how? By the word and obedience. He learned honor and obeyed. And suddenly his finances took a turn. He learned about savings, investment from the scriptures and obeyed. And his finances are now being lifted up and bearing fruit. Because God lifts up those who are not bearing fruit, that they may bear fruit. And then he sees also the ones who are bearing fruit. He invites you to more. You can never arrive. You can't say, ah, me now this thing is working in my life. God has more for you. Even those who are bearing fruit. The Bible says he prunes that they may bear more fruit. Now when you hear the word pruning, in your mind you see cutting off, right? And you feel like, oh, painful situations in my life. God uses them to bear more fruit. No, that's not what the scripture says. When you look at the word pruning here, in its original uh, Greek language, it's katharos. And katharos means to make clean, to purge, to remove undesirable elements. To clean, to purge, to remove undesirable elements. And, and he, he cleans. He says that the ones who are not bearing fruit, he purges, he cleans. That it's because your life has become clogged with the cares of this world. The deceitfulness of riches. The desire for other things. They come in and they choke the word. He does not just cut off certain things. What he does is he cleans off certain things from your life. He starts to clean away certain stuff in our lives that we may bear more fruit. Amen. Are you seeing the vine dresser at work in your life? He brings the big wedding and says, you who has been cohabiting, get married. Good, get into covenant properly. I want to clean off a lack of covenant in your life that you may thrive. You who has been eating all your money, save some, give away some that you may have seed to sow. You who has been, do you understand? You who has been, uh, uh, you know, uh, 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 depressed for forever, receive joy. You know, start to concentrate on the goodness of God in your life. I want to lift you up into joy and peace. You who has been having strife in your relationship, relationships. You know, go and, and confess your faults one to another. I want to take away this thing that you, this may be the company you've been keeping that has made you think that marriage should be full of strife, that I may give you. You has been dishonoring father and mother. I clean away dishonor that you may honor. Do you see the cleaning? And you know what the next verse says? It says you're already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Do you know how God cleans our lives? By his word. Not by bad, bad, bad things in your life. God doesn't bring cancer to, to make you fruitful. God doesn't, you know, bring brokenness to make. How? 
He doesn't even have it in him anyway. He can't give you what he doesn't have. He says in James that every good and perfect gift comes from God, the Father of lights, in whom there is no... Actually, he says, do not be deceived, brethren. Every good and perfect gift comes from God. In other words, you can be deceived by thinking bad things come from God. God cleans you by his word that you may bear more fruit. He also lifts you up by his word that you may bear fruit. So there are two categories of believers. The ones bearing fruit, the ones not bearing fruit are lifted up by the word of God. The ones already bearing fruit, God removes the excess weight that we may bear even more fruit. What does the next verse say? In verse 5, he says, abide in, verse 4, abide in me and I in you as the branch may not be able to bear fruit. Are you guys with me? What is the verse saying? What does cannot mean? Is it that sometimes it's possible or you will get little, little fruit? He's saying the vine, it's not possible. I need this to sink in your heart. May God open your heart to receive revelation. Not just in your mind to know it. Let me tell you something. You cannot bear fruit. The kind of fruit that God at least talks about. The supernatural fruit. You cannot bear fruit by yourself unless you abide in the vine. He says, neither can you unless you abide in me. In other words, the quickest way to become fruitless is to disconnect from your source. The quickest way to become fruitless is to disconnect from your source. Remember, our true source is God. The fruit here is not only talking about disciples. Yes, disciples are part of the fruit. Disciples are part of the fruit, but also Galatians 5.22 is part of the fruit. The fruit of love joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and self-control against which there is no law. Let me tell you, there is no one who can bear this fruit while you're disconnected from God. The part you can control in this entire scripture that we are reading is staying connected to God, not the fruit. But what are we usually chasing? The fruit. I want to be, today I'm going to be patient based on what? Where are you going to be patient from? You don't have the resources. No, you don't have the resources. Apart from God, you don't have the resources for patience. You don't have the resources for kindness. You do not have the resources for self-control. Apart from God, love, joy. You don't have those resources. So you can't go say, I'm determined to be joyful. Based on what? Based on which resource? Where are you going to get the joy from? He's saying, listen, children. All through John 15, he's saying, stay connected to me. He says, abide in me and I in you. Remember that the vine is an interconnected plant. You can't tell where it begins and where it ends. He's saying, be like the vine. Stay connected to me. And, if, and I will also stay connected to you. In other words, my connection to you is not dependent on, on me. That's God saying. His connection is not dependent on him. It's dependent on us. Him is not moving. But we can disconnect. And he's saying, you cannot bear fruit unless you're connected to me. We cannot bear fruit by ourselves. We can only bear fruit by staying connected to the source. That's our heavenly father, the true vine. But I want you to see what does the word abide mean? What are some of the words that come to your mind when you think of abiding? Stay. Remain. Dwell. 
lodge huh? abound in yeah? spend a lot of time in a place if you say this is my abode it means it's the place where I we don't usually use that language in everyday but you can use it but he's saying to abide is to remain is to stay connected is to continue in don't let go don't stop he's saying stay connected to me remain in me abide in me continue in me and fruitfulness listen to me is a result fruitfulness is a result of consistent connection to the father fruitfulness is a result of consistent connection to the father it is not the thing you should pursue the thing you should pursue is connection not fruit the fruit is a result it's, it's, and it's a guaranteed result. That it's impossible for you to be connected to the Father. And I'm going to show you what he defines connection to him as. And then have no fruit in your life. No, it's not possible. It's not possible. It's not possible. Those who abide bear much fruit. As I thought about it, I realized that fruitfulness is a work of grace. We don't have control over that. So stop chasing the fruit. But abiding is our response of faith to this grace of fruitfulness. To say God has provided fruitfulness. I will respond by abiding in him because I believe him that if I abide, I will be fruitful. So how you know that you believe that this thing is by doing it? So John 15, now verse 5 to 8, I want us to run. He says... I am the vine, read with me, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, what happens? They bear not just fruit, but much fruit. For without me, how much can you do? Guys, may we understand that without God, we can do nothing. If we are disconnected from the love of God, we can do nothing. It can look like something for a short time. You know how you can will yourself into patience? For exactly half a day. If you are doing so well, maybe two hours or an hour, after that you're like, hey, you are the ones making me annoyed. You know you start blaming the environment. But Jesus never once said, ah, you are the ones making me broke. When there was no food, he multiplied it. He drew from his resources. So when, there is, when you're so connected to the source of, of, of love and patience and kindness and the source of discipleship, it will flow. It becomes natural. It's your natural response. Fruit is the natural response of any healthy plant. Yeah, that is connected. It's the natural response. It's, in fact, you're shocked when there's no fruit. Not so. On a tree. What's wrong with this tree? You don't, you don't say, ah, I think what is lacking is green paint. Let's go and, 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 and manufacture. When you look at a plant and it's not producing fruit, you don't start creating fruit. You mulch it and dig around it and put nutrients and take care of it. Make sure, because you know the fruit is a result of health and connection. The fruit is a result. In our lives, the fruit is a result. The fruit is a result. Our responsibility. I see that he brings up the issue of I am the vine. How many times has he brought it up? It's like he wants you to remember, you guys, I'm the source, you're not. God is the source, you're not your source. Stop looking to yourself. 
Stop look, looking to yourself concerning your finances. Stop looking to yourself concerning your relationships. Stop looking to yourself concerning your joy levels. Stop looking to yourself concerning your peace levels. Stop looking to yourself concerning your capacity to, to love others. Look to the source. When you can't find fruit, go to the source and get connected. It's a sign that you've probably disconnected. Connect to the source and the fruit will come. Positioning is important. We are the branches. We are not the vine. We come out of the vine. We are not the vine. We are the branches. We feed off the vine. God's love comes first, not our love for him. We love him because he first loved us. And understanding this will help us to stay connected to our source, who is God. Say, I am not my source. Say it again. Say, I am not my source. Yes, you're not your source. God is your source. So stop taking responsibility for being the source. Your responsibility is to stay connected to the true vine. Because it's abiding in God that leads to fruitfulness. That leads to answered prayer. He goes on and says, if you abide in me, if anyone does not abide in me, let's go back to verse 6. Together, if anyone does not stay connected to me, what happens? He's cast out as a branch and is withered. And they gather them and throw them into the fire and they are burnt. Oh no. Do you see that the connection is our responsibility? He's saying, if you're not connected to me, you find your life is dry. You're disconnected. You've gone back to doing things which God saved you from. You're hustling. You're angry all the time. You're angry at God. You're angry at the church. You're angry at people. Because you've disconnected from your source. And he's saying, verse, he says in verse 7, what should we do? If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire. Can you see that the key to answered prayer? And it shall be done for you. The key to answered prayer is not it's to stay connected to God and his word. You cannot say you abide in God when his word does not abide in you. God and his word cannot be separated. Worship harvest. It's time to become people of the word. Can you check for me if your neighbor is still okay? Is your neighbor okay? Are they awake? Is sleep attacking them? If it is, you tickle them a little. Tickle them a little bit. Listen, worship harvest. I'll tell you this is on apostle's heart. It's time for us to become people of the word. It's time to start speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Yes, it's time to speak the word, to be filled with the word of God. It's time for us to be rich in the word. To be saturated with the word. That every time that they cannot separate what you're saying and what the word says. They start saying, I thought that was your statement. Or whether it's a scripture. It's time for us to become people, men and women of the word. You cannot say you are connected to God and you're disconnected from his word. You can't say, I love Pastor B3 so much, but I don't really know what is important to her. But we are so connected. We are... (laughs) Do you understand? But what, what is her favorite uh, drink? Uh, kiwi juice with the ice. Do you understand? Like, how will you know what matters to God if you don't know His will? He has left it. He has, God doesn't want you to guess what He likes. It's written in His word for you. But He can't do the reading of the word for you. He can't connect on your behalf. That is your responsibility. 
And do you know what the word responsibility? It begins with the word response. It comes from responding. Hey, come on now. I'm deep today. Uh, uh, even me, I feel it. It comes from the word response. How you respond gives you the ability. It's two words, response and ability. Your response gives you the ability to stay connected. Your response must be, I'm going to become a man or woman of the word. Not by power. It is the Holy Spirit who will work in you. But he can't work in you while you sleep and wait for him to attack you with scripture. You actually have to open your Bible, read it, ask yourself some questions. I even wrote a powerful little book called Enjoying Your Bible, which some of you, you pass by it because you feel, mm -mm, this one is not deep. I need something deeper. How to kill demons. You know, so if you're struggling in your reading your Bible, get that little book and read it and do what it says. It's time to become men and women of the word. Because it says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask. Don't you want to have answered prayer? Me, I do. And I have quite some answered prayer in my life. Because why, do you know why? You start to pray according to his will. You pray according to his will. Is it First John 4, 4, 14 and 15 that says, and this is the confidence we have, that when we pray according to his will, he hears us. And if he hears us, what happens? We have the petitions that we've asked of him. In other words, it is impossible for you to pray according to the will of God and not get answered prayer. Say, I'm learning to abide in God is to abide in his word. Yes, it's First John 5, 14 and 15. To abide in God is to abide in his word. To be full of his word. His word is the seed that leads to fruitfulness, not your hard work or your desire for fruit. Listen, God loves you and if you cry tears, he'll wipe them. But he does not watch over your tears or emotions to satisfy them. He says he watches over his word to fulfill it. He watches over. The word watching over means to brood over, like a hen over eggs. God will sit on that word with you until it comes to pass. It's time for our prayers to be filled with the word of God. It's time for our mouth to be filled with the word of God. It's time for our conversations to be filled with the word of God. Because that is how you stay connected to God. Through his word. Because the Holy Spirit is the power that hovers over the word of God. Even God in the beginning, the Holy Spirit hovered over the darkness, waiting for a word. Until God spoke and said, let there be, the Spirit of God could create nothing. How about in your life? God is hovering, waiting to release fruit, but the seed is not showing up. It's going to show up in the name of Jesus. We are going to become men and women of the word. Because you see, fruitfulness glorifies God. He says in verse 8, what does he say? By this, read with me, by this my father is glorified. How? That you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. Two things there. First of all, God is glorified when you bear much fruit, not little. When people look at you and say, this guy used to be so impatient, what happened? And even you, you can't explain it. Let me tell you. I have someone in my life who was so, not just impatient. They had a bad temper. They would get angry and these veins would pop. And I remember how I knew that this person had a problem. One time, they got a hot iron and almost burnt their mother figure. You understand? Like, they had anger issues. And I remember it used to disturb them. You know when you have an issue, even you, you know it. And you want it gone. 
and they thought by willpower it will go. And when they came and talked to me, I said, you know, all I know is the word of God works. You see how you put a seed in the ground? You don't need to pray. But you don't know how it works. It's a matter of time, the fruit will come out. That's how the word of God works. It's divine seed. I told him, get in the word. This person got in the word and he liked only one book in the Bible. I told him, the one you like, you read it over and over. He kept reading this same book in the Bible over and over. One day, he realized, wait, I've not had an anger issue in months. You see, of course, the fruit is guaranteed if you're planting the seed. Now, if I told you the book he was reading, it has nothing to do with anger issues. They are not connected according to us. But you see, the word of God is spirit and life. When it goes in the spirit realm, it draws out the fruit of the spirit naturally. So you don't worry, ah, but I'm reading numbers even though I have issues about with what? With memory. It's okay. You, you read numbers. How it works, we do not know. If you're connected to the vine, you will bear fruit. You will bear fruit. So don't try to understand how does it work. Farmers here, do you know how the seed enters the ground and brings out fruit? We don't know, but we plant. How it works is not our problem. You connect to the source by his word. God and his word are one. He has exalted his word above his very name, he says. In Psalm 128, I think, verse 2. He has exalted his word above, 138 to have, he has exalted his word above his very name. Meaning a believer who confesses the word of God is at a better advantage than the one who calls on the name of the Lord. His name, his word is above his name. Hey, we are going to be people of the word. He says, first of all, it glorifies God when you bear much fruit. God wants all his children to bear what kind of fruit? Much. He wants people to look at you and say, what happened? You say, it's the Lord. Because even you, you really don't have a formula. I went to anger management classes. Thereafter, I went for deliverance for seven days. After that, I drank mango juice. Then I became happy. You need to be able to say, I cannot explain this apart from just doing what the word of God says. Fruitfulness glorifies God. And fruitfulness is the proof that we are disciples of Jesus Christ. Without fruit, it's hard to tell what a plant is. You can't tell it's an avocado plant without avocados. Sometimes you look at trees and they look the same until you see the fruit. So they are going to be, it's going to be so hard for them to tell we are his disciples if they can't find his fruit in our lives. The Bible says of Peter and John in, in the book of Acts chapter 4 verse 13 that when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men, they marveled and they realized that they had been with Jesus. They saw the fruit. The fruit was their boldness. And they say, this cannot be men, normal men. They are uneducated, they are untrained, they speak so well. They've been with Jesus. May they look at our lives and say, surely they have been with Jesus. Amen. May they look at you and say, oh, because they're trying to understand why are you so kind? At work, how come you're so excellent? How come you're always in a good mood? How come your marriage is working? How come you're so honorable to your parents? How come you're discipling people? How come you have so much money? How come you look so beautiful? How come you're so handsome? How come you're so honorable to young men and young women? You treat them like brothers and sisters how come how come and you say it is the Lord do you understand yes how come you're so favored and they will look at you and say surely they have been with Jesus
May it happen to you. And let me tell you, as soon as you start giving yourself to the word, I want to give you a challenge. That for the month of July, the next 30 days, every day spend time in the word. Every day. And then do what it says. Ask yourself two questions. What, who is God in this scripture? What do I discover about the character of God? And what does God want me to do in this scripture? Just those two questions, if nothing else. And then take action on the word of God. I promise if after 30 days no one says something has changed in your life, then you can stop reading. I can assure you, it will happen. Fruit is guaranteed. It's guaranteed. And as we close, he says from verse 9, he says, as the Father has loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. The same way that God has loved Jesus is the way that he has loved us. He loved him before he performed anything. God's love for you is not dependent on your performance. But he says in the next verse, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Just as I have kept my father's commandments and I abide in his love. Listen, if you're going to stay connected to the love of God, get in his word and do what it says. Obey him. Believe that God has your best interests at heart. If he says do something, do it. Keeping God's commandments is what keeps us abiding in his love. And Jesus showed us the example. He was so connected to the father's love that he was willing to obey even to the point of death. Because he knew, my father loves me. You cannot abide in God's love apart from his word. You cannot abide in God's love apart from his word. Because to abide in Christ and the father is to abide in love and to abide in his word. And in the end, he says, these things I have spoken to you. Why? That my joy may remain in you. And that your joy may be full. Say amen. God wants you to stay joyful. He wants his joy to remain in you. But he's saying it can only happen if you stay connected to me and my word. This is my commandment. That you love one another as I have loved you. That's impossible without receiving God's love. Because the way God loves us is unconditional. He's saying love others unconditionally and it's a command. You can't fulfill it in your strength. But you can do it if you stay connected to the one who loves unconditionally. He will teach you to love unconditionally. And he says, you are my friends if you do whatever I command you. Not whatever I suggest to you. Whatever I command you. No longer do I call you servants. For a servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends. For all things that I have heard from my father, I have made known to you. Say, I am a friend of God. Say it confidently. Say, I'm a friend of God. Yeah, now get, let your friendship go deeper by knowing what your friend says in his word concerning your life. Because remember, the point of all this is God wants you to be fruitful. Obedience to God leads to great joy. And our joy can be full through staying connected to God's love and his word and obedience to his love. And friendship with God is available. What's the summary of what we've said today? First of all, that God is the only true source of life and love. And only by remaining connected to God, our true source, can we bear much fruit. Only. There's no other way. There's no shortcut. We abide in God by abiding in his word and obeying what it says. That's abiding. It's being in the word. Put your nose in the word of God. Become so familiar with his word. Let your life be instructed by his word. Let your every decision you make should be 
what does the word of God say about this issue? Not what do I feel? Not what does society say is okay? What does God's word say? And let me tell you, be so connected and so fruitful. And he says he cleanses us by his word, by removing undesirable elements and making us more fruitful. And God wants all of us to bear much fruit because it is the proof that we are his disciples. Fullness of joy and friendship with God are a result of staying connected to him through his word. And also answered prayer is a result. And we cannot abide in God's love apart from his word. If you do not remember anything today, I want you to remember that you stay connected to God by staying connected to his word. And when you're connected to God, you bear God-like fruit. I'll close with a scripture from 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 and 17. And it says, all scripture is given by inspiration of God. And it is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. That the man of God may be what? Complete and what? Thoroughly equipped for how much? every good work. This is the result of being connected to the word of God no matter where you are in the scriptures. God wants you to be complete. He wants you to be thoroughly equipped for every good work. But that will happen if we remain interconnected, dependent on completely and, and thoroughly relying on God by being in his word as those who humble themselves and say I can't do life without knowing what you say about life. I can't bear fruit without staying connected to your word and stay, you stay connected to God you bear God like fruit that makes God happy and it glorifies him. Amen Amen Are you going to get in the word of God? Do you feel his love for you today? The vine dresser has lifted up today and he has cleansed by his word and we are going to bear fruit. Would you get up on your feet right now as we respond to his word? We cannot do any of this without the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And so I want you to lean in in the next few moments and just pray in the spirit and just start to ask God, say, Lord, I receive your word today and I ask for grace to be in your word, to be constant in your word, to be constant in your love. Just open your mouth and start to ask him for his grace, to receive it actually. You already have it. Say, Lord, I tap into your grace. Holy Spirit, remind me when I forget. Excite me about your word. I want to love your word and treasure it more than my necessary food. I want to be a man of the word. I want to be a woman of the word. I want to be so connected to your love for me that it's what I give off. I want the fruit that comes out of my life to be your kind of fruit Lord not by power not by might but by your spirit Lord thank you for grace to remain in your word thank you for grace to connect in your word oh God not by power or by might but by your spirit oh God I thank you for my brothers and sisters oh God who are already connected to you the Lord today you've lifted us up by your word today you have cleansed us by your word Lord may your word bear fruit in our lives may we become men and women given to the word of God loving it may our levels of discipline in the word Lord be greater than ever before not by power or by might but by your spirit oh God 
even as we take off the next three days to wait on you in prayer lord may you bath a new hunger for your word and a discipline beyond emotion to stay connected to your word and understanding that we can do nothing apart from you that we will depend on you like the vine depends on on itself that lord it will we will depend on you as branches that are dependent on the vine that we will look to you oh god as our sustenance that we will not forget you when we walk out of this room and look to ourselves because we are limited but you are unlimited thank you jesus and friends if you're here today or you're watching us and you've never had the opportunity to make Jesus Lord of your life. Today is the day of your salvation. He calls you to connect to him and have a life that cannot be explained easily without mentioning Jesus. He died for you. He loves you. He does not require you to do anything apart from believing that he's the one who makes you perfect and not yourself. So if that is you today and you've never had the opportunity to make Jesus Lord of your life, or you walked with him before and you walked away, or you've been so far away, I want you to do something for me today. Quickly, just put your hand up and say, I want to receive Jesus as my Lord and Savior. You're among friends and family. Many of us made that decision many years ago. Just put that hand up boldly and someone will come and pray with you wherever you are across all the locations here in the room. Put that hand up. My brother, I see a hand over there. I see a hand over there. I see a hand over there. Pastors, I need you to move quickly. Pastors, whether you're a pastor of Bonalia or not, move quickly. And let's go and minister to these precious people. I see those hands in the room. Don't be afraid. God loves you. There is no fear in love. Perfect love drives out all fear. Yes, just put that hand up boldly. If that is you, you're saying, I'm receiving Jesus as my Lord and my Savior. Yes, can you bring them to here to the front? Those people whose hands were up, we want to pray with them today. Come on, people. Love on them. There's a celebration in heaven right now. Walk with my brother. Walk with my sisters. And let them come right here. Boldly, they are coming before God and saying, Today I boldly confess Jesus as my Lord and Savior and my source. I am not ashamed of him. I come to him. If there's still someone else, I want you to put that hand up. Today is the day of your salvation. Today is the day of your deliverance. Today is the day when you come home to your loving Heavenly Father who has no issues with you who loves you who is not waiting for you to clean yourself up he says come as you are he wants to make you a beacon of light in your generation is there still someone today we are willing to wait another minute is there someone are you still afraid you just need to put your hand up that's the only thing and someone will come and walk with you yes 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 just put that hand up someone walk with them walk with them bring them come on pastor steve if you can walk with that beautiful lady Thank you, my sister, for making that bold step this morning. It is the best decision of your life to be connected to the one who created you. Maybe you're hopeless. You feel like me. I don't even think God wants me. He's the one who made you. Of course he wants you. And he just wants you to connect with him again that he may give your life meaning. Just put your hand up where you are. No fear in love. No fear in love. No fear in love. Thank you, Jesus. I thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Today, God is dealing with spirits of hopelessness, suicidal spirits. They are cast in the name of Jesus. We curse you, spirit of hopelessness and spirit of suicide. In the name of Jesus, you will not rob another life. And now, friends, would you stretch out your hands to these precious people? And my brothers and sisters, just put your hand on your chest and repeat these words after me. Say, Lord Jesus, today I receive you 
as my Lord and my Savior. I know that you died for me. I know that all my sins are forgiven. I leave my burdens of sin with you and I receive your life today. Take my life and do something with it. Today, I am a child of God. Today, I am born again. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, let there be celebration. Welcome to the family of God. Would you follow Pastor Stephen over there? Just follow him. He'll go with you, take your details, and connect you to a loving family that will work with you. Celebrate these precious people with me. And friends, you are blessed. You are highly favored. May the Lord make his face shine on you this week. May the Lord open your heart to desire him and his word more than ever before in your life. May there be ease as you open those pages of scripture. May the spirit of wisdom and revelation rest upon you. May you receive so much revelation from the word of God that you will be stuck in a chapter for days because God is unveiling truth to you. May there be a testimony at the end of the next 30 days from people around you that something has significantly shifted in your life because you're giving yourself to the word of the Lord. May there be ease in that area of your life. May you see things change as you see fruitfulness because you're connected to your true source. In Jesus' name, amen. And now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all now and forever. Amen. Have a great week. You're blessed to be a blessing. Our first time guests would like to hang with you. Just outside this door, you'll find very many friendly faces waiting to hang out with you. God bless you. Thank you for listening to this teaching. We hope that you've been blessed by the Worship Harvest Sermon Series. For more teachings and other resources, visit www.worshipharvest.org or call 0393-281-555. That is 0393-281-555.